The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. Joining me today on the panel are Jack Barazzini. Hey, Jack. Hey, Dom. And Thomas Anerho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. Folks, we have a great show for you today. We have a, another a listener-requested topic. We got a, a request from a listener who, who wanted to know more about Remote control apps. And we've talked a little bit about remote control apps in the past on the show. They've come up as picks of the week or they they've kind of come in from the side as we're talking about other topics. But we wanted to talk about them specifically here as the main topic and uh, what a remote control app is, how we would use it, when we'd want to use it and the different options we might have. Thomas, the, you, you mentioned before when we were uh, before we started recording that you don't use a remote control app per se. You when you want to get into your computer remotely, you do something else. What What is it you do? I use shell scripting. So I uh, just go into an SSH session and I have a, a listening port open on my computer, whichever computer I'm trying to log into. And uh, because I'm a Linux user, uh, I can just access things through the command line. And so if I need to quick copy something or to access uh, some part of, especially like my, uh, my Minecraft server for my mm -hmm. kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just log in with a, with a, a shell script and uh, connect that way. So uh, there's a lot of things to be concerned about there because uh, the typical shell uh, port is one that everybody knows. So uh, the first thing I did for security was just change the port that it's listening to for, um, for shell login and i have a write-up on uh, my blog about that so I'll, I'll give you the link to that and okay. it's kind of how to how to manage the security issues especially since i had I, I taught a bunch of middle schoolers how to do this so that they could log in remotely to uh to their minecraft uh, server and uh. manage it and so i had to make it super duper secure because not only were I, was I worried about <laughs> the people getting in that weren't supposed to be there, but I was worried about them getting in and doing <laughs> things they weren't supposed to do. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. And uh, since that's middle schoolers, uh, if you have for the, our listeners, um, you probably won't be able to do it. So just get the local middle schooler to help you. They'll know more about this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it is it is a bit of an advanced way of getting into remotely. I mean, I'm not even sure. Right. I know how to do it, too, but that's not something I'd be super comfortable doing very much it's it's more of an advanced way well and before before we get too far too i would recommend um anybody who does do that who's interested uh i found a great android app called juice ssh that uh allows you to do shell scripting from your phone mm. and all the same safety protocols uh can run all of the different signatures that you need to 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 communicate securely uh and it's free so it's really easy to access really it's it's free and it's just really a simple app that does exactly what you want it to do there was uh there's an app for uh, ios that also does the same thing called prompt from panic software mm -hmm. uh that uh, also gives you a shell an ssh client for for shell script on your ios device so that's that's cool uh jack i was going to ask you about like do you know about the most of these remote control apps use a particular, uh, we call it a protocol or a particular, the same sort of base that it's called VNC. Do you know much about that? 
VNC? I know a little bit about it. Um, what I've primarily done when it comes to remoting into people's computers is using RDP. And then when I manage that and like in an office setting, that's no issue because everybody's on the same LAN. This past year, especially with everyone working remotely, uh, we've been using a VPN. So that keeps everything secure. And then if anyone needs help, I can just RDP into their computer. Okay, so RDP, VNC, those are just acronyms remote for... Remote Desktop Protocol. Remote Desktop, and, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> virtual Local Area Network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. LAN is, yeah. So, uh, and VPN, yeah, Virtual Private Network. Uh, so what? that's actually one good thing to mention is, is you can, if you have a, a fairly newer router, if you have an Eero, or we talked about some routers recently that have VPN built into it, where, and what that does is it, it creates a secure connection between Two computers over the internet, essentially, right? That's a, that's basically. There's a bit of a difference, um, and this is kind of a tangent. But if you're doing a VPN, like using your Euro or whatever, that's basically just going to mask where your IP address is coming from. When you're using a VPN in a corporate setting to connect back to the servers at your um, office or whatever, that's basically creating a virtual uh, local area network okay. where the you, no matter where you are with your computer, it thinks it's in your office building. Okay. Mm. Okay. So that, that is, yeah, that is a prime, prime difference. But for the purposes of most of our audience, they're going to be mainly using one of these commercial or generally available apps that are out there that kind of put a, put a nice face on top of all the technicalities and the difficulties. Um, and there are a lot of them are, are very similar. The mainly the differences are in price and mm -hmm. in um, the, some of them have extra bells and whistles. Some of them are more intended for a corporate environment than they are for, say, you know, you at home, with, you know, trying to connect to your laptop, your your desktop computer from your laptop somewhere else uh, or connect to, you know, your mom's computer at her house to take care of it, which is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's the primary use case where we're probably going to see a lot of people want to know about right. these. And, and in fact, that's that's a big this is a you know, when you talk about why would I want to do this? The, those are probably the two big ones. Like one for often, like if I'm on vacation with my family, uh, a lot of my work stuff is here. And if something goes wrong with say, SQPN, I need to, you know, access file. I need to access uh, one of the podcast episodes or something on my computer on my desk at home i'll connect remotely and share the you know i'll, I'll connect in, in remote control my mac on my desk and drop the file into the, a place where i can access it from my laptop or mail it to myself or mail it to someone else or something along those lines so that's one primary way of using it and the another is as you said helping someone who is not as savvy as you perhaps with their computer problems um, as long as they have an internet connection, the computer turns on. That you're, mm -hmm. you're, that's those are pretty much the two basic things. Then you can you can get in and and help them with it. So those are I would think the two big things. Yeah, in fact, a lot of people have probably experienced it with uh, calling for tech help, uh, either from their job or from you know a, a company that's offering you know like HP support. I think they have their own sort of remote desk in. And it's the the tech will tell you, hey, okay, you need to put this piece of software. You need to open up this piece of software, and then here's the number, and they give you like a a four to six digit code, and it logs them in remotely, and then they start moving around magically on your screen and from where wherever they're sitting, you know, in Massachusetts or India or wherever. <laughs> well, in fact, we should probably say right here, don't don't let just mm -hmm. anyone do this to your computer. Yes. 
Yeah, no, not at all. Because they can because they can install malware, they can steal passwords, put install a keylogger that records your passwords. This is one of the big tricks that that uh, that hackers and scammers do is they they convince you that you should give them control uh, that that's why you often see those pop-ups like there's something wrong with the computer connect to tech support and they'll fix it for you and it's not tech support it's some some jerk somewhere who wants to steal everything from you if you didn't call them and have to jump through 20 hoops and wait for half an hour uh, <laughs> yes. you're you don't let them have control of your computer <laughs> exactly exactly that's that's exactly there's actually a youtube channel where there's this guy who he purposely seeks out these scammers and he's set up a whole com- environment on his computer with like fake uh, bank websites and f- all these fake stores for buying gift cards and because th- that's one of the scams they either empty your bank account or make you buy gift cards and, and give them to them and he keeps these guys on the phone for hours like he had one guy for seven hours on the phone the uh, applauded to him but yeah don't let these guys scam you but legitimate purposes uh, and you know things you would want to do so you want to maybe get to an connect to another computer for tech support your remote support uh you want to print something remotely you want you want to you know you, you don't have a printer where your your computer is at but there's a printer connected to the other one uh to remote access a server the computer on your desk is connected to a server on the network so you, you might have like at home you might have a network attached storage or that sort of thing uh, to transfer files back and forth that sort of thing so let's talk about the the different options there's the free services that are built into the different operating systems there's uh, Quick Assist for Windows, uh, which uh, there to use that. There's a you, you have you have to have the person log in uh, to mic. So this is more of a tech support function, and what that does is that you have the person you're helping. They log into to their to a Microsoft account, and then there's a connection code that they share to to you, the the person who's trying to help them, and then you connect and control. Yeah, I've I've used that one some and. I would not recommend it, to be honest, because I feel like the biggest use case for this is you're helping a family member or a friend who's not tech savvy, who's going to need help on their computer. And the one thing they're not going to know how to do is either have a Microsoft account (laughs) or remember their password to log into their Microsoft account. So I've never actually tried to use Team Assist where it's been um, I've actually ended up being able to use it. Uh, Another one that's free and built in is uh, Screen Share. That's part of Apple Messages. So obviously the person, it's just for people who run Macs. It's not as, like, they don't have to log into an account, but they have to understand how to open messages on their Mac and and allow you to to share the screen. It's not, it's not very hard, but sometimes if you're, if you're, if you're in the the position of having to help someone who doesn't know how this how to fix their own computer, they it's often very hard to to explain to them how to get where they need to be. But it's built in, it's free, and you can use it. Uh, Google Chrome has a built in extension, a re- remote access extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one only works for other machines on the same account, so they have to be connected mm-hmm. to the same Google account. So that's a pro. So that's it's really more about like, you connecting to remotely to your own computer as opposed to doing tech support right but it's yeah. fantastic because it works over the web I, and which i think is you know you, you just log into a website basically and then have kind of an rdp placed up there for you yes and it's cross-platform so windows chrome os and mac os it works across them so that's that's a good solution so those are the basically the free ones so uh let's talk about the the not so free ones although this first one 
it has a free level and it's called team viewer. And I've used a number of these for over the years and team viewer was one I used for quite a while. That one is definitely, that one's definitely my go-to for the situation of helping friends and family. Cause it's super easy to install. Um, it doesn't cost anything if you're using it for personal purposes, which helping people is that, um, it just gives you a code. You put it, they put in the code, you can get on their computer, do whatever you need. Um, and that's the one I've never had any issues with in mm -hmm. terms of helping a non-tech savvy person. So that would definitely be my go-to for that use case. Right. I agree. Yeah. It's it, when you install it, it sets up with that code right there on the screen for that. They have to, that they can share with you. They can text it to you or email it to you or whatever, but yeah, that's uh that's it, it is it seems to be designed for that use case of right. uh, yeah. helping that one person. Uh, and like you said, it's free for private, non-commercial use. Um, if if you were to be, the, they'd get a little hinky sometimes a little bit about uh, suspecting you of using it for not private, non-commercial use. I started to run up to, against the, it started to get a little um, pushy about, are you are you sure you're being an individual? Yes, I just I own <laughs> two computers and I have a computer at work and I'm trying to connect to it. So I ended up leaving it behind. But yeah, it, in general, though, and it's cross platform. That's another big benefit of that one. Is yeah, works. definitely. Another big one is Log Me In, and Log Me In is a big company. They have a lot of different products. If you've ever used the GoToMeeting webinar, uh, if you use LastPass, uh, all that sort of stuff. They, and LogMeIn is, LogMeIn Pro is their uh, their remote access software. That also, uh, I, I think they don't, ha I don't think they have a free tier. They have a free trial. So you mm -hmm. can you can so if you needed to use something and for whatever reason TeamViewer wasn't wasn't the thing for you, you could use the uh, the free trial to do some remote. But that's not as good because one of the things I should mention is is if you if you're setting this up to do tech support for your mom remotely, say I always say your mom because I my mom is the one who I usually would be helping, but it could be your dad or it could be your aunt or whatever, you know your uncle, it could be your kid at college. But mm -hmm. but the best thing is is if you can install the software when you're sitting at their computer, uh, yeah. get it installed, get it set up, get the code ahead of time, know what it is, save it so you don't have to walk them through anything over the phone. That's the that's if you do, if you can avoid that, that's the best thing. So this isn't as great of a deal, but what it is is so it's this is thirty bucks a month. You get to access up to two computers on the on the log me in. And it allows for multi-monitor display, which is can be for me. That's useful. I've got multiple monitors. Not a lot of people. Not everybody has a multiple monitor setup, so it's not as big a deal for 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 most people. And I think uh, log me in is definitely more geared towards if you have your work computer set up in your office and you want to log into it when you're remotely. It's it's less of a tech support thing and more of a being able to get to your stuff wherever you are. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, and they're really big on um, corporate accounts and and yeah. lots of people. Yeah. Um, another one is Splash Top. Uh, this is one I don't have experience with. I haven't haven't used this one, but um, it is uh, five dollars a month for connecting two computers. Uh, they have a business level; it's eight twenty five a month, and that gives you up to ten computers. And you can also share your desktop via a web link, which is useful uh, mm -hmm. if you, if, especially if you want to demonstrate things to some to someone else. 
that I think is probably the best seller for this one. Uh, that is just it, it's really easy to install too. It's really not a it's a not as easy as TeamViewer. TeamViewer I think is just the most easy drag and drop. You can do it over the phone, but if you have somebody that you know you're going to be working with a little more often, uh, you know, like that aunt that just got a computer and you she is going to call you 20 times for help you just get this installed on her machine and you can log in really easily right right they do have you know a different products one where you can the person doesn't have to install anything but that that costs a lot more a month so that's mm-hmm. it's a little bit it's like 17 a month which if you find yourself supporting a lot of people <laughs> if you've become yeah. de facto tech support for people or you're starting a, a small business that might be the thing now the you one start I charging you on that's right. You start right. <laughs> if, if you're getting paid to do it, then you then get a product that uh, you pay for. Um, so the one I use right now uh, for myself, so I can access my computer remotely, is called Screens, and this is Mac and iOS software. This is uh, not cross cross platform at all. Um, it's it's a little. It looks more expensive. It's thirty dollars for the Mac software and another twenty bucks for the iOS stuff. If you want to access your, your computer from an iPad or an iPhone, which I've done, it's like accessing a 27 inch iMac on an iPhone is an experience trying to tap <laughs> on things, but it can be done. I have done it. It it seems expensive. That's like 50 bucks all in. But then when you look at, well, of course I'm 50 bucks and I'm done as opposed to five or 10 bucks a month. So it you know that that works you know the the math works a little better there, uh, but it's really nice software. It it tunnels through your your router and any firewalls. It sets it sets mm-hmm. that up for you, and also lets it gives you some manual controls if you want to manually set ports and things like that. If you if you have the knowledge, and they have some articles that help you with that. Uh, but screens it's it's a really good experience, and what one thing it does is it they have a a, a another piece of free software called Screens Connect that registers your computer in their system so that you don't have to remember what your IP address is. That's one of the things if um if you want to connect remotely, the the remote software needs to know what it, where to connect to. You know, what's what where is that what's the address of that computer? So this mm-hmm. this takes care of that. So it's pretty good software. And then another one the 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 last one I'm going to talk about is one that a lot of people talk about is called Jump Desktop it's free on Windows, which is nice. It's thirty dollars on Mac, or if you subscribe to SetApp, which I've talked about before, it's like the, it's Netflix for Mac apps, essentially. So it's one you pay one dollar one dollar amount a month, and you get access to every app in the service, which actually is saving me money because I, I do it. It's a former pick of the week, but this is in SetApp, so I get that for free. And they also have iOS and Android apps as well. Uh, it does the same thing as the other ones. But I think, uh, as you were saying, Jack, before, I think TeamViewer, if you're trying to help in, you know, support other people, TeamViewer is probably the one I would recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's the most straightforward. Uh, are, there, are there pitfalls or pros and cons, things we need to think about for people? I would say just if you're going to be using these apps, um, you should be doing this anyway with your computer, but make sure you're keeping things up to date because especially mm-hmm. with the nature of these kinds of apps, it's a hole into your computer from the internet. And so right. if there's any sort of security bugs, you want to make sure you're staying on top of that so other people can't use that as a backdoor. Okay. Yes, that's true. That's true. One thing I would mention is sometimes when routers get updated or modems, so the, the modem is the piece of hardware that the 
cable company gives you to connect to the internet. Sometimes those get updated or restarted. It can make things not work. It can break things a little bit, and it requires you to like basically kind of restart. So either restart the software or you don't have to necessarily reinstall it, at least not on the Mac versions in my experience. But sometimes you need to like tell it to reset the connection and uh, reconfigure the the hole through the firewall that it makes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 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 a pitfall that can sometimes bite you uh, when you're trying to uh, make it work. Any other things that we should be con- concerned about, pros and cons? Make sure that the person on the other end either uninstalls the software or that they know how to prop or that you set it up so that it properly shuts itself down uh, when you're done helping them. Because that can be another problem that um, they aren't tech savvy enough to know that that does create a hole to the Internet that that they that is then accessible to pretty much anybody. Um, and there's a few little things that you can do. And if you read the tech support for any of these, especially team viewer, it'll tell you how to make sure that, that things are set up properly before you leave the, um, leave that person's computer. Right. Right. Yes. So that they're, they're secure. Uh, and only you are the one, you're the only one who can get in, uh, to, to, to help them with it. Yeah, that is very true. So, I mean, that's a, I think that's a pretty decent overview of these different, uh, remote access, remote control apps. If there are specific questions that listeners have, I'd be happy to to, to field those, and we can address those in a future episode. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to make blanket statements about all of the apps because they I mean, they all have similar functions, but their their specifics are somewhat different. But the uh, the the state of these apps is that they're pretty good. Once you're connected, and as long as in, in most internet connections these days are pretty high speed, even on a phone, you know the 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 connection. So it's it there is a little bit of lag. You drag the mouse across the screen, and sometimes it follows a little slowly, but it gets there. <laughs> and uh, you know, in the and it's it's like being at your computer. So uh, say so. If you have specific questions, though, let us know, and we'll try to address those. All right, let's move on. Uh, at first, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of technology, including Dorian K, Matthew W, Sam R. KH and Brendan, their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to cr- continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. Now's a great time to become a StarQuest patron thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter when you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give. The first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor. So if you become a new patron at $10 a month, say, after three months, our donor will give $30 to StarQuest to support all our shows, including this one, and making your gift go even further. So if you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now is a great time. So visit sqpn.com slash give today. All right, let's talk about some headlines. The, uh, another big tech story this week, it, which usually in most years is a really big tech story, uh, which is that <laughs> this was the week of CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, which brings 100,000, a couple hundred thousand people to the convention centers out there where all the big tech companies from around the world gather to show off their latest and greatest and then small tech companies come and show really weird stuff and all that sort of things. Uh, and then all, we, we watch all the coverage and, and look at all the, the interesting trends and that sort of stuff. Well, this year, obviously, there was, there was no in-person show. And so there was a certain sort of virtual CES. The, the companies got to 
have presentations and show off their stuff virtually, you know, in, in video presentations and lots of press releases got sent out and that sort of thing. Uh, sort of as a, as a overview, it's interesting that you, a lot of the tech reporters were saying one of the things that's missing, like we, we got the usual big company uh, d- discussions, the big company uh, press releases. But what we really missed was those those little out-of-the-way corners of these big convention halls where you see that really interesting little product that nobody else, that just, it can't otherwise cut through the noise of, and the, you know, mm-hmm. the blizzard of press releases. Uh, and so that was, that seemed to be missing a bit this year. I don't know if you guys paid any attention to CES, but uh, that seemed to be missing. Yeah, it didn't have the you didn't have the feel of being able to walk the floor. And even with the, the interesting thing about CES is you would think, OK, well, it just translates to online. Right. But the thing about CES is if you followed the right people, they would walk the floor with you. And so they would take the camera around and walk the floor with you and talk about all the little things that they were seeing. And so you felt like you were involved. You felt it's I mean, I've never gone. I would love to, uh, but I've never gone. And uh, you but you felt like you were there. And this year, there just there wasn't that. Even if those things were happening, it wasn't obvious how to get to them, uh, and you needed to know really where you were going to go to go and check out these secondary uh, things. It seems like the biggest uh, trend is um, laptops are kind of for the first time in the past like seven to eight years. There's a lot of advancement going on in laptop technology, and I think a lot of that has to do with everyone working remotely now people actually want computers again as opposed to just ipads mm-hmm. right there's another uh, headline we had uh that uh, for later which, which is uh laptops and desktops are seeing huge sales are huge in 2020 because of all the people who started work from home needed a computer in at home they all they had was a desktop computer or an old laptop and they all wanted an, a new laptop and companies were like okay <laughs> let's, let's do it. And, yeah. uh, and so there's these huge shortages. And so the, a lot of these companies are rolling out new models and Intel's got some new, and I think that was one of the big trends they talked about at CES this year was uh, Intel and the other, the other CPU manufacturers rolling out new uh, CPUs, new GPUs, new laptop technology, that's all out there. And, uh, and, 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 all of that, plus there was several other trends related to the lockdown, the 2020 quarantine, etc. But that seemed to be a big one. I agree. Yeah, there was uh, there so there was a lot of health related tech mm-hmm. apparently mm-hmm. Um, stuff. So stuff directly related to fighting, in, you know, the COVID itself. Uh, there was the Razer, which I thought this was interesting. Razer is known for making gaming oriented computers. But they came out with a smart face mask that mm-hmm. is an N95 grade mask that has UV sterilization capability, voice projection so that it has like speakers on the outside and a microphone on the inside so that your voice can be heard more clearly, I guess. Or if you wanted to be Bane or Darth Vader, <laughs> maybe you could do that. There's got to be there's got to yeah. be a voice manipulation part here. Yeah. <laughs> And multicolored LED lights, of course, because you know it's razor, right? Oh, obviously. <laughs> so there's the, so that that's like that sort of stuff. So there's masks, uh, smart thermometers. I saw a mention of uh, a lot of remote in telemedicine. That was a big trend in 2020. Was you know going to your doctor, going to various appointments remotely, and mm-hmm. people noticed 
the deficiencies in the current system for that. And so mm-hmm. I think uh, some of these companies are coming out with things. Anything along the in the lines of uh, the the health related stuff that caught that uh, that you think is a is a trend that we need to look out for? I think the biggest thing is the like you're talking about with the telehealth. I think that's going to be where there's going to be the most improvement because I think people have realized now that we've been going through this. If you don't need to go into the doctor's office, it's probably a good idea not to physically be there so you don't catch something while you're there. Right. I agree. But it's also really important to still be engaged with your doctor. And I think this splits that middle that's really good, that keeps people from going to the office, but it also allows them the opportunity to talk with a doctor. And there's there's a, a space there that we haven't invested in enough. And I think it's really good to see that coming to the forefront. Yeah, definitely. You know, my kids, uh, several of my kids, they they get anxiety about going to the doctor. They don't like it's a strange environment. You get poked and prodded, but they have some health issues that don't require necess- to be physically present to be examined in person all, all the time. The follow ups mm-hmm. can be done remotely and they can do it remotely from the couch where they're at home in a friendly, safe environment. I think there's something to be said for that, that, to, that, oh, yeah. and, I, and I hope we do continue to develop that technology, but keep letting people do this sort of remote thing. Well, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the doctor and sat in the waiting room for, you know, 40 minutes oh. for a 10 minute conversation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> walk in, yes. talk to the doctor, he prescribes something and it's, and walk out and it's like, I could have done this over the phone. Why is that not an right. option? <laughs> not including the time to drive to the doctor's office right, and all that exactly. sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with that. Yes. Uh, so that, that should be a big, big trend. What about the uh, stuff about working from home? That's now the thing or school from home. Um, there seemed to be some, it felt like a lot of tech companies, and, and this isn't just CES, but sort of CES sort of encapsulates the trend, but a lot of companies are starting to notice like we could maybe start, like there's going to be a lot of people who are going to keep working from home. So we should design some of our stuff for home, like, desk chairs that mm-hmm. that you would normally mm-hmm. only get at the office maybe these are ones you could have at home and that's what it's stuff. i'm shopping for some of those right now because the one i have is just yeah it's killing my back <laughs> <laughs> yeah my mind is starting to fall apart i was actually just before we started recording i was trying to fix the headrest uh i, I might be in the market but uh so that end up uh, monitors you think that's uh monitors and webcams i think those are probably going to be Two of the big areas. Yeah. I didn't see anything big in the webcams, though. I was really surprised. I think that um, I think the webcam companies were kind of caught off guard, and now they just haven't been able to catch up with the demand to even be able to invest in uh, you know, research for forward thinking. Yeah, I think a big market that doesn't seem to have really been tapped yet is the tech support for these things um that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before but you have all this technology that's coming out and you're gonna have a bunch of people who are not really going to know what to do with it or how to set it up optimally for their environment so you can buy a really nice monitor and a really nice webcam and not really know what to do with it so i think that that is something that we're probably going to see soon is that kind of service because yeah people are are also not necessarily comfortable with people coming into their home to set it up for them too. Like you, like in the office, you just have the IT department set it up for you, but that not at home. You know, speaking of the webcam stuff, Dell has showed off a new uh, laptop that has a built-in automated physical shutter that 
uh, opens and and shuts based on wh- you know whether you're actually uh, there's some there's some functionality about closing when you do like automatically physically covering the shutter w- at times when you don't want to be on camera which that's kind of cool i actually um just bought a laptop for my wife it's like a cheap lenovo and it has a physical shutter that you slide over well given the the uh oopsies that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic especially from <laughs> yeah. people uh not realizing they were on camera like going to the bathroom and stuff like that uh this is this this is a, a no-brainer i think the idea of having a at least if at least even if it's a manual physical shutter never mind a a, a an automatic one i mean just even a, a manual physical shutter is i think de rigueur I would say if you're worried about security, a manual physical shutter is probably the best way to go because it can't open itself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have an Echo Show on my desk and it has a camera on it and it has a physical shutter that you flip it to the side. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, it's never been opened. <laughs> I've, <Right>. I've, <laughs> I have no desire. Closed. Yeah, I have no desire to open that uh, thing. And I mean, I have and I have aftermarket ones I've put on all my computers and my kids computers, all that sort of stuff. But it is nice. Apple says that the way that their webcams are engineered in their laptops and in their desktop too, you know, the iMac, it they they cannot the camera cannot be physically cannot be on without the green light also being on next to it. So there's no way for the camera to be active just in a basic electronic sense. I'm I'm my guessing is power is running through the LED or something. I actually just watched a really interesting video from the YouTube channel Technology Connections earlier today where he talks about that exact thing. Um, I'll send you the link to it if you want to put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I love Technology Connections. We talked about that channel as a pick of the week a few a few weeks ago. And, yeah, you can, you know, somewhat rest assured. But I, I can imagine there's more of this coming. The, another big trend was, well, it's it's hard to say it's a trend. Every year at CES, TVs are big. Right. Like it's just that's that's the primary consumer electronic that most people have. Right. But uh, the new thing is uh, they're talking about OLED. So uh, but like, new, well, it's not really new, but big OLED screens like like most OLEDs have been limited to phone size. But now we're talking getting the, the cost of the very big, like 55 and 60 inch screens in OLED down and, and that people can actually afford them if you're not a football player or you know <laughs> or a celebrity. Uh, so and the, the the benefit one of the big benefits is that you know the colors are really true and good. Black is is ultimate black and that sort of thing. So right uh, uh, that came up. Uh, any other any other trends that you guys saw that might be interesting to to mention here? I, everything seemed pretty tame. Honestly, yeah, Yeah. it it was kind of like, you know, no no, like uh, innovative, uh, you know, the the side scrolling uh, uh, phones that have like the screen that goes off the edge or that can fold up or, you know. uh, Yeah, there was one phone. There was one phone that rolled up like a scroll. Right. Like, (laughs) but it was apparently like, like mechanical so that like you didn't just pull it open. You had to press a button and it slowly unrolled. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get that call. I'm going to get that call. Oh, they hung up. <laughs> so, yeah. The, although the one thing I did see that wasn't a computer or phone or anything like that that I really want is they call it the Keurig for ice cream. And it's yes. basically you put a pod <laughs> in this machine and it dispenses, as, I guess, saucer or something like that. And I'm like, I totally want one of those. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's no, man, awesome. I, have, I have a three ingredient chocolate ice cream that I make at home. Uh, so good. Soft serve. <laughs> it's not, I will never use anything else. Just three ingredients. Too. It's beautiful. <laughs> Milks, uh, chocolate and, uh, sugar. Pretty much. Nice. <laughs> Although we, we've, uh, I just off topic, but, uh, for my daughter who until recently would couldn't drink milk, her ice cream of choice, ice cream, quote unquote, was frozen old bananas, like bananas that had gone ter- turned mm-hmm. brown, you know, too brown, frozen, then put in a blender with some chocolate syrup or just or just chocolate powder, you know, cocoa mm-hmm. powder and some sugar. But although I don't even know if it needed sugar, blend it up and then it's taste indistinguishable. It doesn't taste like banana, indistinguishable from chocolate ice cream. That's, and it's, yeah. it, you know. If you're, you're lactose intolerant, same kind yeah. Of thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. So that's that's okay. I gotta get my my real three ingredients are a whipping cream, evaporated uh, condensed milk, so the the sweetened condensed milk, and and chocolate. That's how I, that's how I do it. Nice. It's absolutely beautiful. You can look the recipe up on YouTube, but uh, it's <laughs> three ingredient ice cream. It is amazing stuff. Really, I'll have to check it out. <laughs> I have to check it out. All right. So let's uh so that was CES 2021 be quiet. Uh, uh it's it, the funny thing is is all these tech reporters who get to go every year, oh, I have to go to Las Vegas and I have to walk around. <laughs> they, they always they would always complain. They would always get sick on the way home, you know, cuz they everyone passing around these diseases. Uh, it was interesting to see how many of them actually this year going, well, I kind of miss it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. You get, <laughs> of course you miss it. You get the all expenses paid junket to Vegas. You, yeah, of course you miss it. So all right, so let's talk about other uh, news. Apple had a big announcement last week. They were teasing it and then announced it. And I love, I love it. And it's like we, Apple is going to make a non-technology, you know, non-product announcement. That's what it was, non-product announcement coming <laughs> this week. And everyone's like, "Ooh, what is it?" And you have the most outlandish theories. Uh, you know, things right. like they're going to turn their stores into vaccination centers. Like, why? This? I mean, they have a lot of stores, <laughs> but not that many. Like Walmart would be a better. You know, anyway. Right. So what it is, is they they uh, last summer in the midst of uh, all the stuff that was going on surrounding racial equality and uh, injustice, they announced that they were going to spend one hundred million dollars on a on a racial equality and justice initiative. Now, a lot of times when big companies announce this sort of thing, it's like you never hear anything about it again. You know, who mm-hmm. knows where the money goes? Well, they to their credit, I'll give them I'll give them props for this. They've actually come up with what they're actually doing, and and they what they've done is it's got several different branches. One is that they're they're creating something called the Propel Center. It's a they it's described as a global innovation and learning hub for historically black colleges and universities. So it's a uh, it's a resource for these colleges mm-hmm. to provide students with additional opportunity to you know technology support curriculum in in the technology and computer areas so that uh, really to to bring this to those colleges and let them make their computer science departments and other departments frankly uh where they talked about agricultural technologies ai and machine learning social justice mm-hmm. entertainment arts app development augmented reality designing creative arts so a wide range of things and uh apple is going to develop the, a curriculum and provide mentorship and learning support so that looked pretty good and then they're also setting up an apple developer academy developer academy let me say the words that in detroit in in an urban area in detroit primarily for uh inner city uh students um mostly minority students 
to help teach coding and give them tech education. This is actually not the first developer academy that Apple set up. They actually set one up in Italy a number of years ago, which is interesting. Uh, and, and so the idea is just to, to create new uh, Mac and iOS developers from these mm-hmm. and give them opportunities to become, um, you know, programmers and, and businessmen of, their, of themselves. And then a venture capital fund for minority entrepreneurs. So what do you guys think of this uh, announcement? Seems like a good idea. Um, it's going to depend on how it's implemented. I kind of get skeptical with when big companies do stuff like this, that it's more just lip service than anything. But if they're going to help people get into STEM who otherwise might not have that opportunity, I mm-hmm. seems like a good idea. Yeah, I I like that they're putting their money where their mouth is. Um, but honestly, um, especially watching all of the fallout from the social media stuff that's happened throughout this year, uh, all of the things related to uh, especially artificial intelligence and machine learning and the algorithms and how they are creating these filter bubbles for people. I think that their money would be better spent if they really focused on fixing that problem and on making that a central issue that they were going to move forward with. And uh, that being said, I don't want them to take this money away from you know developing this group of people that is uh, traditionally wildly underrepresented in the tech community. Uh, but we really need to handle at a philosophical level uh, the problems that have been coming to the forefront in machine learning and in algorithms and in the development of those things and how they have been serving, you know, capitalist tendencies uh, to a dangerous extreme. Uh, you can, cause there's nothing wrong with making a buck, but there is something wrong with making a buck at the expense of all of these people that are being stuck into these filter bubbles and losing connection with the things that are happening to them. I just want to offer a nuance uh, on what you said. Instead of they would have been better spent, I would say, Apple, you've got a, a, plenty of money. So in addition to this right. money, <laughs> right. yes. I'd like you to see make a huge That's investment a great, yeah. in that. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's I, a good I, way I think, to put it. I figured you, you, you'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Jack, what was it you, want, you wanted to add to that? I was going to say, yeah, pretty much just that, like do this and then also yeah. do that other thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of places. Apple sees itself one of the you know, it, it kind of sees itself as we are a virtuous company. And whether or not that's true or not, whether that's even possible or not, they 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 make the case that they're not just about the bottom line and mm-hmm. self-serving, but they want to make a difference, make a change in the world. And whether you agree with their complete vision of what that means or not. That's that's the case they make. But if they want to make the world a better place, one of the areas they got to do is they got to rein in technology in these ways so that it's not harming us even as we advance more and more and more forward. And their hardware and software is a part of that. You know, mm-hmm. a, a billion mm-hmm. phones in your pockets, y'all, is Oprah. Facial recognition said. software is definitely top of the list of one of the problems that we're having in that arena. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was just seeing in Boston they wanted uh, this proposals to ban police use of facial recognition software because of its inherent biases against certain communities, you know, mm-hmm. certain certain ethnic uh, backgrounds, especially uh, black and minority people who it because based on how we've talked about it before, based on how it's been programmed and the models that it uses. So yeah, I agree. I agree. So from one giant com- uh, computer company to another, doing things. <laughs> Uh, here's one that's that we're less excited about. Uh, <laughs> Fitbit has been absorbed 
by the Google. We we knew that this was coming. I mean, this was had been right. announced that they wanted to do this, but it's finalized now, and it, now the, the time has come. Uh, how do you feel about this? Do, do either of you guys own a Fitbit? I, My I wife uses one, so it, honestly, it's not something that really affects me. Uh, we both have iPhones, so I don't know if it going forward it's going to mean that Fitbit works better with the Android ecosystem. But I just, on principle, don't really like Google gobbling every single other company up. Right. Right. I I have. Like philosophically, what Google tends to do with companies that it acquires is it, it acquires them and then neglects them and then changes them so that they're less good for, you know, like, Nest, yes. you know, they, they've they've gotten rid of APIs or they, you know, they create software that kills the market for that class of software and then kill the software. Google Reader, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Google has a tendency to be a, a bit of a bull in a china shop. I can see where they're doing this, though, because they don't have they currently don't in their portfolio have a competition for the Apple health device right in in the watch. Um, so I but it just bothers me that it's like everything's kind of getting we have maybe five companies that are going to be left in the world. Right. <laughs> going to yeah. own everything. <laughs> right. Yes, that is, that is I mean, you, I mean the, the the relevant authorities look at things. The EU, the the Justice Department, they say is it anti-competitive, and they say no. You wonder how independent those judgments are, uh, whether they've yeah. been lobbied sufficiently, that sort of thing. But it is, yeah, it, it is distressing when all of these. The problem isn't. I mean, part of the problem is is giant conglomerates getting even more gianter. Uh, but the, also the problem is is just you. When you all are under the same umbrella, you you lack diversity of thought and vision and innovation. You know, that's it's now you have Fitbit doesn't have Fitbit vision, which, let, you know, granted, it hasn't been great vision. Uh, you know, I mean, some of it, it has had some innovation in recent years, but their initial innovation was its big its big splash, given that. But at least it's not like. The Google vision, they had the Fitbit vision, you know, and Nest had a Nest vision. And so you had these competing visions in, 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 in the marketplace of ideas. You had these exchanges and, you know, the Fitbit would come up with an idea and Apple would copy it and then Google would copy that, you know, and there was give and take. But if you have just one big company, I think there's less of that. And I, I think that that harms all of us in, in the long run. Yeah. And I feel like things are just getting more and more siloed into these big vertical integrations and everything just becomes homogenous. Like if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you get the Apple Watch, you get the Mac, you get all that, and it's all kind of the same. And then on the other side, you have the Google ecosystem and it's the same kind of thing. And there's no real choice. And they don't really work outside of the silo. I mean, they make right. they make motions so that they can make the antitrust lawyers go away. Like you can get you know, Apple Music on an Android phone or in Windows, but it, it it isn't going to be as good as the same. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. And vice versa. So I agree. You know, it's, I mean, I love the fact that my Apple watch works really well with my iPhone and really well with my, my phone looks really well with my, my Mac, but you're right. If I, if I saw, if I looked at the Google pixel and said, wow, it's a really nice phone. I'd really love to get it. I, one of the big hangups for me is, is, but it doesn't work as well with my Mac as my iPhone does. But see the internet works on your computer and it works on your computer very similar way that it works on my computer and the entire design of the internet is that it's supposed to be open and usable by everyone that's not really how it is now though i'm even encountering that where i just recently switched from using a pc and having an iphone to getting a mac and how easy it makes everything i really see how you end up getting caught up in that ecosystem where everything is just that one thing and 
it's nice, but you also end up everything ends up being kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Well, and in fact, I I've I've been a Brave user, the Brave browser user for a long time, which is a, a version of Chrome, but I keep finding myself pulled into Safari more and more because certain things work better in Safari. Yeah. Especially when when I want to use say Apple Pay to buy stuff, it's so easy to to do Apple Pay and it's yeah. so secure, you know, and it's like so we again there's that siloing even in the internet um and but yeah and, and like i said certain sites i uh, use hootsuite for our social media management for sqpn doesn't work very well in safari works really well in brave and so i have to switch between them and it's it's it, there is there is some concern about this this movement uh to to kind of silo but as the the good thing is, is right now we'd still have choices <laughs> i can still use brave or chrome or even edge on my Mac if I want to for now. Right. <laughs> we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm still waiting for my Linux phone, darn it. I want a Linux phone. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> it's still not out there. I actually encountered this problem today when I was setting up a new computer at work. It had this thing that I'd not heard of before that's called Windows 10 S mode, where you're not allowed to install any applications on the computer other than what you can get directly from the Microsoft store. So oh, I had wow. to go through like I jumped through a bunch of different hoops to uninstall the Windows 10 S mode just so I could install something that my company develops. And stuff like that is what I really don't like seeing where you end up being forced to just get things through an app store, even though you're on a computer. That's my mm. big fear with the Mac and that, that if Apple ever does that someday, it, I may just <laughs> digital and go Linux because uh, I do not want to be uh, I do not want my experience to be like I mean. It, it's okay on my iPhone. It's okay on my iPad. I want c- to have control of my Mac and be able to install yeah. whatever software I want without having the software to be able to fit within Apple's narrow guidelines of its app store. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's stuff I would love to do on my iPhone or my iPad that I can't do because Apple won't let those apps in. Especially as we've seen in the past week with you know with uh, certain social media networks that have been deplatformed by App Store mm-hmm. rules and that sort of stuff. Uh, but you could, you, if well, if their servers were still running, you could have still accessed them through the web because the web is an open service. That that is, yeah, that is concerning. Uh, the Mac does have a mode like that where you can, so you can only install stuff from the Mac App Store, but it's a flip of a switch. It's it's in the in system preferences in the security pane. As long as you know the admin password for the for the uh, the computer, type it in, hit, hit the button, and now you can install. Which I'm happy to to see. But if I were to to use the uh, the uh, the um, canonical my mom example, if I were giving my mom a computer, I would flip that switch so she could only install stuff out of the Mac App Store. Um, right. All right. Uh, my mom still does manage to download stuff to her iPhone that she shouldn't. <laughs> but uh, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's. Uh, that those are some good headlines. Let's move on to our picks of the week. Uh, Jack, I'll let you go first with your first uh, pick of the week. All right, my pick of the week is a tip, and it's kind of a follow on to what we started the podcast with, uh, with talking about helping people um, with tech support. Um, and I think what you should try to do if you're if you tend to be the person like I am, who's the IT support for your family and your friends, is teach people how to troubleshoot their own tech problems and help them become aware of the solutions to fixing these problems rather than just doing the easy fix, which I know for all of us, it's probably easy to say, Hey, you step back, let me do it and you'll be good to go. 
it's a little bit more of a pain to set someone up with how to do that. But in the long run, they're going to be better off themselves because then they can actually start thinking about, hey, how can I solve this problem rather than just asking someone to fix it for me? Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish. He, he eats for a lifetime and gets sick of fish. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was actually something I, yeah, I, I agree with that totally. I, I helped my, my brother become very much more savvy and I don't hear from him very often anymore until he has really bad problems, which, at which point I go, you need to call <laughs> Apple or something. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I agree with that. That's I wholeheartedly teach, teach people how to help themselves and they'll feel more, more accomplished and they'll feel more comfortable with the technology. It, it'll stop being the magic box that does things I don't understand. And that's good for everyone. Yeah. yeah and, when you're, and when you're doing a fix, sometimes it's helpful to talk them through what you're doing too, just to say, okay, I'm going to try this and, and say, I'm not sure if it's going to work, but I'm, I'm going to try this and, and let them know that, you know, you're not going to break the whole computer by right. clicking on this button over here. Right. Right. And how to, you know, how to Google things, how to Google solutions, mm-hmm. man, I, like, is is this not the hidden secret of most of us tech nerds? Is <laughs> yes, it is. We don't know all this stuff. We Google it. We just know how to yeah. find the stuff on you. the keywords. The that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> we know which websites to trust and which one are not going to give us the good answer. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's the that's the secret. Yeah. Exactly. Excellent tip, Thomas. What's your t- uh, pick this week? Okay, mine is a totally nerdy pick. Um, uh, my son is into chip tunes. Actually, most of my kids are into chip tunes. If you don't know what chip tunes are, it's old eight uh, bit sounding music. So music that you would have heard on like the the Nintendo Entertainment System or the Super Nintendo. Uh, it's all designed with very specific uh, sound wave patterns because they couldn't. Uh, they had a sound chip that could only do certain sound wave patterns. And so if you listen to the old Mario music, for example, uh, the music and the jump sounds were all integrated. They had to they had to work together. So even if Mario jumped at an odd time, uh, that's why sometimes you'll see Mario jump and then the jump sound will happen later than when he jumps is because oh. it had to fit in with the music. So there's a lot of rules to writing this music. That's uh, really bizarre. And uh, people don't follow it necessarily. But if you want to sit down and try and write a uh, chip tune music which is music that sounds very much like these old uh school uh, music types uh there's this program called milky tracker and a tracker is what they would use to write this music so they would use sine waves or uh, sawtooth waves or square waves to make the instruments quote unquote that would go into uh these different uh music types and then you would just write the music uh in uh, kind of kind of the way you would anyway, where you would just give it a letter and it would be like writing uh, notes on a sheet. There's a lot of great uh, videos on YouTube on how to use it, but it's a free program. Uh, if you want to go check it out, uh, you can download it. You can play around with it. You can make some fantastic uh, tunes. He he is one that sits down at the piano and plays out all of the tunes that he hears from like um, Zelda and uh, all the different games that he plays. So I figured, okay, let's go the other way and let's get him actually writing some of his own music. And he's come up with some really great uh, chip tunes that that he's designed all on his own. He's learning a lot about music uh, and he's just playing with it, which is the best part. <laughs> it's awesome. fun to him. <laughs> nice. Sounds really fun. Maybe have a future as a uh, game soundtrack designer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> good, good, good. All right. So mine is uh, another tip this week for uh, from me this time. Uh, so. My wife has had a long-term problem with her phone, her iPhone. We are we are on AT&T. I've been on AT&T for 
literally decades. And in fact, back when they were, what do they used to be? Singular. They were AT&T, then they were singular, then they were AT&T again. I've, I've lived through those corporate transitions. Anyway, it's not really <laughs> here nor there. So my wife's had this problem on her phone where she gets spam texts to her phone. And these are gross, disgusting spam texts. Let me just put it that way. And she, we have not been able to stop them. Now, there's software out there that claims to do this, you know, um, was malware bytes and there's other apps that claim to be able to filter junk into a junk mail folder. But there's a problem because those only work for actual SMS. SMS is a short message system. Those are actual texts from a phone number or short number, you know, the short codes. These are the ones she was getting were from email addresses. That's that's a very it, it shouldn't you think that shouldn't be, matter, but it's a very key distinction. So. With, with the emails cannot be stopped by the normal method. And so the, the sh- so just to, the short form of this is, if you want to stop emails from being sent to your phone number, every phone number, every cell phone number has an, a hidden email address associated with it. I think with Verizon, it's like your phone number at vtext.com or something along those mm-hmm. lines. And there's a similar one for AT&T. Anyway, if you want to stop emails coming to your AT&T phone, you need to call the customer service ask for advanced technical support. Like when the automated thing comes up and says, what are you looking for? Just keep saying advanced technical support over and over. That's what I did. It will (laughs) route you to advanced technical support. Then when you get the person on the line, you tell them, I want you to turn off the email to SMS gateway for this number. They'll know what that means. And they will, and they'll say, okay, sure. And they'll shut it off for that number. And now from that point on, you will not be able to get emails sent to that phone number. Now, if you're a Verizon customer, you don't have to do this. There's a switch in the Verizon preferences of your account. So if you go to Verizon, your your account on Verizon, there's a there's a one of the options is turn off emails to domain, you know, from domains or from the web or something along those lines. I don't know the exact language, but it's something along those lines. So they actually let the customer do this themselves without having to call. I did it. I called, I was on hold for 15 minutes, talked to someone, they 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 put me on hold a couple times and then Came back and said, okay, it's all taken care of. My wife is so happy now because the problem is, now here's, here's I want to give a little fish shake at Apple because the notifications for messages should be more granular than it is, which is I should be able to say, just like I can with mail, only give me notifications of messages from people in my contacts or people mm-hmm. I designate as VIP because she was it was all or nothing with messages. You either get all of your notifications on your lock screen or none, she didn't want her, these gross things being on her lock screen. So she was getting, she was not, she was missing messages, important messages mm. from family and friends. So that's one fist shake. And also, how about a basic spam filter, Apple? Like these were very clearly would, would have got caught by any spam filter. You give us a junk mail filter in the, you know, on the mail app, do it for messages too. So that's that's my my fish shake at Apple uh, on for falling down on this one. But if you are having this problem or you know someone who has this problem, that this is the solution. Email turn off the email to SMS gateway. That's it for me. So uh, I think that should wrap it up for us this week. Uh, what did you think of our discussion? If you have any, like I said, if you have any more questions, specific questions about remote control apps, let us know. If you have any comments on any of the things we discussed otherwise, you can contact us uh, at the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. 
And you can find links from our discussion in the headlines and the picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember, if you can, please, to like each episode of Secrets of Tech on Facebook. Uh, retweet them on Twitter, where we're at sqpn. And you know, leave uh, comments and reply to our tweets and that sort of thing on social media. That's an, another great way of contacting us. Until next time, Thomas Sanerho, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology. It's been a pleasure. Jack Barazzini, thank you as well. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>